The following is brought to you by Braided Media. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Narratives of Purpose. My name is Claire Marie Gandhi. I am a scientist by training, a TEDx speaker and your host on this show. This podcast is dedicated to amplifying social impact by bringing you inspiring individual stories of ordinary people who are making extraordinary impact within their communities and around the world. If you're looking for a program that showcases unique stories of change makers, stories of people who are contributing to make a difference in society, and at the same time, you want to be inspired to take action, then look no further, you are in the right place. So get comfortable and listen in to my conversations. For this episode of the month of May, we dive into a new theme, namely inclusion. If you have been following us since the beginning, you'll recall that this is not the first time we address inclusion on the podcast. In fact, we had a weekly series on season two and our very first edition of the Social Impact Virtual Forum back in November 2021 was also focused on inclusion. As you can tell, there is still much to talk about. My guest today is Piera Marongiu. Piera is based in Switzerland. She is the founder of Integrate, Include, Engage, a company that offers consultancy, support, and training in the field of inclusion, mainly for healthcare organizations. In this discussion, Piera talks to me about overcoming biases in society and particularly in healthcare. Please take a moment to rate and to review our show wherever you listen to your podcasts. And for now, listen to Piera's journey and her lifelong passion to build an inclusive society. Piera, a warm welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm very good today. And thank you so much uh, to you, Claire, and to Narrative of Purpose to giving space to me and especially to this topic of biases in, uh, in the society and care in particular. So, Pira, before we start into the conversation, please introduce yourself to our listeners. I just have to say full disclosure. So we know each other already from different uh, families, as you like to call it. We are both uh, volunteers with the Healthcare Business Women Association. And we also have a common connection with Capacity Zurich. So Capacity, which is a um, talent incubator for people with refugee and migrant background. That's what I can say for now, but I'll leave you um, the stage to present yourself and perhaps share a bit of your background with our listeners. I'm uh, Piera Marongiu. I'm originally Italian, actually from Sardinian. Uh, 11 years that I live and I'm based in Switzerland. And my background, I started as an experimental psychologist and neuropsychologist. I graduated in Italy, and then my life brought me into working for corporate companies and uh, especially uh, engaging myself personally and professionally in inclusion, diversity, and belonging. And uh, in the last years, I also founded Integrate Include Engage, uh, which is a company that offers support and consultancy and training for inclusion in, uh, in organization, especially in healthcare. 
I'm a bit curious to know where does your interest or your passion, so to speak, comes from in terms of, you know, diversity, inclusion, belonging. And if I'm not mistaken, from your profile, you also have some experience in organizational development and so on. So tell me a bit where that comes from. I asked myself that uh, and I had to go really much back in time where my passion for inclusion comes. And I saw my very first signs when I was a kid. You know, um, I had a, a teacher in an elementary school that used to place, let's say, um, people that had difficulties in integrating themselves very close to me. So she chose people that either came from difficult families or they had issues integrating themselves uh, close to me because she said uh, it will be easier for them. And uh, so as um, I remember that I would uh, fight uh, whenever I would see people that was mocked in the elementary school. So I think those were the first signs of myself that I could go back um, where I see I've always um, had um, a passion to fight against injustice and against discrimination. And then more than 16 years ago, I found myself working, for example, for disability inclusion. And when still I didn't know the words of diversity, inclusion, and so on. Um, and now I can give a name to the work I was doing. So I think it goes very far back. It's not a trend topic for me. It is actually an attitude of engaging myself for what I believe is right and for an inclusive society. And of course, the first uh, place and platform to fight for is within myself, you know, whenever I see my biases and my own prejudices and stereotypes, that is the first platform. It's very interesting what you say there. You said it starts with yourself when you see your own biases. How do you notice that and what type of biases are you talking about? Here, I would um, I would go back also to to my background, okay? I've always been passionate about the brain. I've always been passionate by science, about neuropsychology, which is what I first studied. Um, so I think the very first um, obstacle that we have when we face biases is that we feel guilty as that we feel the shame, okay? So the very first step is really understanding on how our brain works, okay? So our brain works in an energy-safe mode we wouldn't be able to live without this energy safe mode of our brain. The point is, when is this mode functional and when is no longer functional, okay? So to me, the importance with myself and with others is recognizing, okay, am I now what I feel that is a bias, it is functional or not functional? Because that is actually the automatic pilot that we all have. And we should recognize it without the burden of feeling ashamed and feeling um, guilty about it. Now, the second step is, okay, what can tell me that I am experiencing this, in this moment a bias is actually my emotions, okay? When the intensity of my emotions are either middle or high, there is something happening to me towards a person, a group or a situation that tells me that I'm not neutral anymore, okay? 
So being aware, it's about being aware that something is happening, either that I feel rejection, either I feel attraction towards this person. Okay. And therefore, if I need to take decisions or if I want to be inclusive, I need to be aware of this emotion because either way, I wouldn't be objective towards the situation of the person. So it really starts from myself and it starts in recognizing what is happening to me. Because sometimes, and this is again another bias, people feel this emotion and the reaction is like to shut it up, push it away, because I don't want to feel that my world person is racist, is not welcoming, is sexist, and so on. But we are all in cultures that do have these signs, and we need to separate you know, our actions from our full being. And I think this is also another obstacle that um, prevent us to be more inclusive in the society. <laughs> Is this awareness directly linked to the organization that you founded? It is very much connected. First of all, because as I, as I told you, to me, I need to start from the personal awareness. And from that personal awareness, raising that awareness, first of all, as a person, And then if I am in an organization, raising this awareness as an organization so that inclusion becomes part of the culture, yeah? And also inclusion, I have a very holistic view about what inclusion is. And uh, first of all, if I look at a personal level, to me, inclusion means uh, that every person just belongs to a group, belongs to a culture, no matter who you are, what language you speak, you can contribute and you are led to contribute with the best of yourself. To me, inclusion is the freedom and, and the peace also to be the person that you are and that you can really live your potential, that you can live your vocation. So that is what is inclusion is to me from a personal level. Now, if I translate it into a bigger context, like into an organizational level, into a culture and up to a society, to me, inclusion, I see it holistically. So in a company, it's not just the demographics that a company has, it's, it's the attitude that it has towards the employees, towards the suppliers, towards the patients when we look at the life science, towards the marketing as well. So it impacts each and everything. That is my view. And with Integrate Inclusion, including Engage, I want to support individual team and organizations to raise this awareness. So also our, let's say, service and products reflect this inclusion in the society. So if I understand correctly, Integrate, Include, Engage is your consultancy, so to speak, because you help organizations relive that inclusion and ensure that every employee or so the people who are part of the organization, they belong, right? Exactly. But also to see it in a, in a broader view, not just on the employees. So inclusion is not, a, let's say, a program that you implement. Inclusion is not something you do. Inclusion is 
first of all, personally a lifestyle, and second, in an organization, is really the attitude that, as I mentioned, that you have towards your supply chain, for example, or towards the marketing. And to me, the level of awareness, if I raise the level of awareness, something that right now is a blind spot can become a strategy when seen. So for example, if right now a company doesn't realize that they are excluding a group because they just don't see it because it's on their blind spot, you can show them that there is a group that is not included in that sense. And they can decide, do we want to serve this group consciously or because of our strategy, we want to direct our strategy somewhere else? So from aware to me, awareness is also very linked to strategy, actually. And you're specifically focusing, so with IIE, Integrate, Include, Engage, on life science, you know, healthcare, gender medicine, among other things. Why is that? Yes, I think that I partially already replied to you. So as I told you, I have the two souls, the humanistic and the scientific one, which brought me, first of all, the passion for the brain and for the neuropsychology. Um, and here I bring together the experience that I had as a researcher and, and in this field at the beginning of my career, all the experience that I had in organizational development and working in big companies, working in NGOs like also UN Women or Capacity, as we said, and I'm basically bringing this together in uh, inclusion in the life science because here it is especially um, important to look at inclusion because the consequences of this unconscious bias in healthcare have serious impact for the lives of people that are less represented or not represented, like women, like other ethnicities. So, and the consequences are also deaths, okay? Late diagnosed, misdiagnosed. So the consequences are so important <laughs> that we must do something about it. And I just want to refer to something. So you were part of the Women in Healthcare Innovation 2021. So this is a list of 16 women that was put together by Femtrepreneur. And before I ask you my question, because I have a question about that, <laughs> let me just quote what they posted when they released that list. So they said, um, we believe that women's contribution to innovation in Switzerland needs to be more visible, be it in digital, academia, politics or business. With this edition of Femme Showcase, we proudly present a select list of Women in Healthcare Innovation 2021 that highlights the significant contribution by women in the healthcare industry in Switzerland. Women represent over 50% of the world population and significantly more than that in both health and care roles, yet innovations in healthcare are largely influenced and funded by men. We therefore see it as essential that our own health, that we encourage and support all the amazing women working in innovation in healthcare today and highlight role models for our future generations. How did that feel for you to be part of this list? Of course, I'm very, very much honored to be part of this list with other 15 amazing women that do great job uh, for the innovation in healthcare. 
And I was also very proud to, to be included in this list, especially for my efforts in inclusion in healthcare and in gender medicine, and also in projects like, for example, the projects that I did uh, together with Women's Brain Project. Women's Brain Project is an NGO um, that engaged itself for the gender differences in, uh, in medicine and for precision medicine. So I was nominated for all my effort in this uh, in this field, and also with projects, for example, in uh, uh, in attention disorder and differences for women and girls. And coming back to the examples you just shared, you spoke about the Women's Brain Project. Can you tell me a bit more about that, and how did you contribute in that sense with working on that project? I had the pleasure a bit more uh, than one year ago to get to know Women's Brain Project. And Women's Brain Project, as I as I said, uh, it's an organization, an NGO based here in Switzerland, um, that brings together experts uh, of different disciplines in order to have sex and gender um, representation in precision medicine um, and in healthcare. So there was a hackathon uh, one year ago. And I proposed myself to be a mentor in this hackathon. And also I proposed different projects to my group. And one which I was also very passionate about was about uh, gender differences in ADHD, so-called the attention disorder. And also in this area, there are big differences between uh, girls and boys and men and women. And uh, these differences uh, make it uh, much harder for a woman to be uh, detected, diagnosed, and treated uh, for ADHD. So we started this adventure. I am. Um, uh, this project was successful. is continuing to go on. I still contribute to Women's Brain Project, and I'm very happy about it. And also to see that uh, something like the ADHD is being looked at uh, specifically for women and girls and to improve the quality of life, of course. Coming back to this Women in Healthcare Innovation 2021. Um, so first of all, I asked what it meant for you personally, but now for your work. Did this list bring all of these 16 women together? Did it bring more leverage, more visibility? What is the impact? Yes, I, I think um, the Innovation Office of the University of Basel are doing a huge job in order to have more representation of women in the startups, to have more women startup funded, because uh, right now it's less than the 10% that are getting funded. Um, therefore, it was important to have visibility for all these great women. Here are women that are already doing a wonderful job. Uh, some have visibility, some do not. And, and it's important to share and to have, to see these role models and also for the society to see how women also as entrepreneurs, they contribute to this society. So every step in this direction, it's important. And there's something that that's coming to mind as well. I think we had a recent conversation where speaking about women's health and you, you told me something, or at least in that conversation, you said something that really stuck into my mind. And I was like, but it's true. I never thought about it. <laughs> it's like, you know, women's health should not be reduced or at least should not be centered around reproductive health. Why do you think that this is not really talked about? 
it's really good that we now have much more attention to the health of women. Uh, so as we saw so many femtechs popping up, which I think it's wonderful. Uh, the point is, but, you know, <laughs> I always go a few steps ahead, and it is um, the fact that all of these femtech uh, focus themselves on reproductive health, maternity. Now they are also looking at menopause, which is great because uh, menopause is also linked to a stigma, okay, and we need to destigmatize also menopause. But only focusing on this part, it's just replicating the full stereotype that we are living in medicine, which women are just women for our reproductive system. Okay, so the full medicine is based actually on a standard persona, which happens to be white, men, young, able, uh, possibly heterosexual, and so on. And all that um, is far from this persona, either for being a woman, either for being not heterosexual, either for being not so considered able, or a Black person, an Asian person. So all that goes farther from that, it means that it's much, much less or not represented. And the women were just represented also, this is also in the handbooks, okay? If you take any of the anatomy handbooks, it is always uh, drawn as a male. And the only part where there's a female is the reproductive system, okay? So in the femtech, we are sort of reproducing, making a step, reproducing a bit of this stereotype. But I have to say there are also some very interesting femtech that really look at, for example, diagnostic system and really look at the full health of the women. Let me a bit shift gears here because I know that you're also a lecturer at the Fachhochschule Nordwest Schweiz, FHNW. How does that fit in into your holistic approach? Yes, also here it is about um, sharing with, normally these are students uh, that are already graduated. These are um, advanced studies and therefore it's people that are already professional. And maybe for some, it is the first time that they come into contact to what it means in real terms to be inclusive. For example, what it means to be inclusive towards um, people considered disabled or with some sort of different ability. First of all, to get to know this phenomena, so really what are we talking about? <laughs> it is actually a huge number of people, especially the 80% of disabilities are invisible. So anyway, and it's also a condition that can happen to each and every of us at any point in time. And it is important, again, to be to know the, the phenomenon, to know what we can do to bridge the step, because at the end, it is not so much of uh, what type of ability a person has, but it is about the environment. Let's say if you break your arm or you break your leg and you don't have a lift, you will feel more disabled than if you have a lift, right? The point is, Whatever step you take, 
um, towards more inclusion of disability, you are facilitating the life of each and every one. Okay, so all the Alexa, for example, all the voice recognition system that we are using Alexa and, and, and so on, they started to be a support for people with disability and they make the life easier for many more people, right? So any accommodation, but again, to me, it's the environment that makes uh, a person more or less able. So is it fair to say that your role as well as a lecturer is also adding to your contribution in terms of this awareness discussion and conversation? Yes, it is. But I also support um, in uh, seeing what each and every one can do to improve also the systems. Okay. So if um, in a company they feel they don't have people with disability, there is something really happening in the recruitment system, first of all. And second, in their organizational culture, because it means that the people that they do have some issues, they call it, they don't feel comfortable in sharing it. There are several points that they need to look at. And normally after they go, they realize, first of all, how big the blind spot was and also what they can do in order to be more inclusive. You spoke earlier about startups and how things are evolving in technology. You mentioned Alexa and things like that. So my question to you is, if we're not doing it yet, maybe we are, you know, what will it take to make sure that this whole digitization and digital transformation will really include everyone? First of all, uh, the digital transformation, it's part of a bigger change that we all are living that is called the fourth industrial revolution, okay? And the fourth industrial revolution that implies also the heavy use of the digital technologies, uh, it means that we are in an environment which is uh, where the speed is not comparable to what we were used to. The complexity is very high. The level of uncertainty and the big changes is also with no precedent, okay? And the massive and so pervasive use of, of digital technologies. So uh, what do we need? First of all, I mean, the digital technologies, they make use of artificial intelligence. That is the first thing, you know, in, in its broader sense. And if we talk about bias, um, actually the artificial intelligence is not just replicating, but also amplifying the biases that people, groups, and organizations have. And we can give so many um, examples about it. Like, I mean, we, we mentioned about the, uh, the voice recognition or the facial recognition. They make, they are very accurate when they need to recognize um, a white male. They are not so um, reliable when they need to recognize a woman. First of all, a woman that is um, with makeup a black woman, a black person, or, you know, uh, maybe people that with gender, it's like more gender fluid. So that, and, and this is because uh, the systems <laughs> are biased too, and they amplify this one. So the first step in order to be more inclusive in this step is about looking at our um, um, artificial intelligence system, looking at the data we fed it to, the data that was collected, how did we feed it? 
um, who were the groups involved. So where are the blind spots in this data? Because this system might be taking wrong decision and they are. Okay, so one of the steps to be more inclusive is on looking at these technologies and debias them. On the other hand, uh, what I mentioned about the high complexity and the uncertainty that we are living, this needs really uh, a mix of perspectives. So we cannot solve just uh, the issues that we face just with people that think alike. We need people, multidisciplinary team, but they are really including different perspectives, really including different personalities. We cannot manage it anymore. And also the uncertainty, you also need people that can be very flexible. And look what the neurodiverse people were always excluded by these criteria. And they are those that actually are key to success in this moment. We don't need to have work for talent. There is enough talent and there is enough good talent. If an organization has issues in finding talent, it means that it has issues with bias. Because we do have people and we do have this talent. You just need to remove the barriers for you to see it. And the other question I had for you looking into the future is, how do you see health equity evolving? What role do you think that if we go very much into this digital health, precision medicine, will that remove this bias that we see? Or what influence will it have in terms of health equity? Yes. So the future, the future is about going to be more precise and going to be based on those characteristics more than, uh, let's say, the idea that you have of a person, but also to know who I am represented right now, who I am not representing, if you want to bridge that gap. And if not, just to know that you are not representing everyone. Because one of the issues right now in healthcare is that everything was built on that standard persona, but still said that it was valid for everyone. Okay, and that is the problem. The point is, we need to be more precise and we need to state who is this product represented and who is not represented. So that each and every one can, let's say, choose the option that best represents you. Just before we move to the last part of the conversation, I'd like to, you know, just leave you the stage. And if there's something you want absolutely our listeners to know, what would be in a nutshell, like their takeaway from our conversation so far? The takeaway for me is, first of all, recognizing that we do have bias because this is the way that our brain functions and it's our automatic pilot. And we do need this automatic pilot. And second is there are ways to raise the awareness and to bring what is uh, unconscious bias, to bring it into a conscious level and still do something about it. So in order to take good decisions. And then this decision, so it's important to see our blind spot, to increase our awareness. And this can be applied in all the fields, again, in healthcare, in each part of the process, from the clinical studies until the very end of uh, the healthcare delivery. It can be implemented in the organization, but first of all, it also a good way to discover who you are, discover your identity, and to 
finally also make you a better person. So towards the end of my podcast, what I'd like to do, I asked my guests the exact same set of questions because I want to get a bit of a you know sneak preview onto who is Piera, what music does she listens to, or what books does she reads, because you never know, perhaps you can have some good recommendations for our listeners. Number one, do you have specific music that you're listening very often at this time? Or if you're not very much of a music person, uh, what is the book that you are reading right now? So in the last uh, maybe a couple of months, I'm listening quite obsessively <laughs> to a group, an Italian group. Uh, they are really young. It's called Moneskin, and they are having a huge success across the globe. And they finally brought, you know, Italian music in its rock version uh, really across the globe. And I love them. I mean, I, I used to hear uh, something about them in the past, but really recently they are becoming like a, a very well known. And this is one part of the music which I really like. And also because they bring also, okay, Italian music is not just this cheesy type of thing, uh, but also it can be rock, which is great. And the other part is that they do represent uh, having 20 years, more or less, Uh, the gender roles. So they are showing really how they comfortable they are in being who they want to be without compromise. And, uh, you know, a man can be still man and can be still heterosexual, even if, you know, they dress with women dress or they are makeup on. So it is about showing this again, normalizing what it should be normal, but it wasn't. I very much like that because they are showing an example that I couldn't leave. And then, I mean, about the book, uh, the last one that really impressed me, it's about um, Italian author Nadisha Uyangoda. The name is The Only uh, Black Person in the Room. And she described her experience as an Italian and also the experience of many Black Italians, which is not exactly the same way that, for example, in America, they consider Black. Basically, in Italian, Black is anything that is not completely white. Uh, so with all different origins. Um, and she described this experience. It really touched me very deep. Um, also because, of course, I'm Italian. It's been more than 20 years that I live abroad. But still I am. And um, so feeling and, and reading the experience of this person and also how about our black person is considered, you know, with microaggression, big aggression, discrimination and everything. This really helped me to give me a vision which is closer to me. Second question. Do you have a song or a book that was special for you at a specific time in your life and why? Probably I tell you because I discussed with this a friend recently. I say about a film, okay? It is about sliding doors. This film, uh, Sliding Doors, is not probably the best film in terms of cinematography. But to me, that film was really representing an idea that I had. So sometimes a few seconds or just one second will change completely the path of your life, either because you meet or don't meet certain people. And, and it seems that sometimes life, um, when you look back, that exact second, really changed your life completely. 
And in this film, they show you the life of a person. If she would have taken the subway in London, she managed to take that subway or she doesn't manage. And they show you finally. So they were showing me what is the life of this person if that only second changes. So I, I would say that one. Third and last question. Do you have a band or a piece of music, perhaps even a book? that you would absolutely recommend and you say, you know, everybody needs to read that or to listen to that? So probably a song that I would absolutely recommend. Uh, it's a Sardinian song. I'm Sardinian, I'm Mediterranean. And the song is uh, No Poto Reposare. That means I cannot rest, I cannot sleep. And actually it was a poetry written, which became a song, which is... Um, also very touching and to me besides the poetry and the depth of this uh, of this song it reminds me of my father and it reminds me of my island which is my roots and I'm very proud of of my roots so Piera it's been a really great pleasure to share your experience on the show and to learn more about you know, more specifically what you do and how you approach things. And I am truly happy that our paths have crossed and that I was able to share what you do on the show. So thank you so much for joining me today. Claire, thank you so much. First of all, I also want to uh, thank all of my teachers and inspiration that made, you know, that I'm here now today with you. I'm very thankful to you and also that our path crossed and they would have crossed in many different families. <laughs> We realized and I'm really happy about that. Thank you so much for the work you do in order to increase social in inclusion. And it's really uh, been a pleasure to, to get to know you and also the people that you invited. And I'm really honored to be here. I thank you. I thank my teachers, my inspiration, and my family for being here. Thank you. Recognize and be aware that we all have biases because that is how our brain functions. Then do something about it. What a powerful approach to inclusion, an approach that is meaningful at both the personal level and the organizational level. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I appreciate you taking the time. That was episode 32, a conversation with Piera Marongio. Make sure you leave us a review everywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, remember to share our show within your network. And you can also connect with us through our social handles or our website at narratives-of-purpose.podcastpage.io. Until the next episode, take care of yourselves, stay well, and stay inspired. This podcast was produced by Tom at Rustic Studios.